0: I'd like to thank Nom Nom for sponsoring this episode if you've listened for a while folks you'll know I'm a big dog lover having lost a long time four legged best friend last year and gaining a new puppy this year they're a part of the family for sure that's why I'm excited for you fellow dog lovers out there to get your hands on fresh food made with whole ingredients backed by veterinary science and make sure your dog is getting the best diet possible with Nomnom. Nomnom Nom Nom is full of fresh proteins and vegetables like beef chicken peas pork, kale and more not hidden away in the food but visible your dog's health starts in the gut a better diet means softer coats more energy, better breath and we all love that dog breath don't we and smaller more consistent stools your dog can't tell you if they're healthy but you can tell when their health improves so how does Nom Nom work? you tell them about your pup's age, weight allergies and protein preferences they'll tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them straight to you, you can store them in the fridge or freezer until mealtime, They'll then give you specific instructions on how to transition your dog from foods like kibble to always fresh Nom Nom for best results. Finally, you can watch your dog clean out their favourite dish and see that tail wagging. Ready to make the switch to fresh? Order Nom Nom today. Go to trynomcom slash that UFO and get 50% off your first order plus free shipping. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your First Order. No fillers, no nonsense, just nom nom. I am George Knapp, listening to That UFO Podcast and having one hell of a good time. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and it's been a while since I've done an AMA, which is an Ask Me Anything if you're not one of the cool kids who know that kind of stuff. And wow, I've had more questions submitted for this AMA than I've ever had for all the rest of the AMAs combined. So thank you very much for that. I'm going to split it into a few parts. And this first part is just all the questions from YouTube channel. Ch- uh, from the youtube channel and youtube community so thanks to everyone who got in touch over there Dan is travelling in the wilderness right now still, so as soon as he settles down uh, in a location with running water and Wi-Fi, he might come on for part two. If not, he'll be on next week for the breakdown. We're just arranging some dates around that to discuss a few different bits and pieces from the news and potentially uh, some congressional hearings that may or not be happening soon. Fingers crossed for all of that. Jeremy Corbell is joining me also as a guest this month which is sure to be an interesting catch-up, plus a few more interviews and shows as well. The listener call-in will definitely be happening. I know I've said that before, folks. A few of you reached out. Sorry it's taken so long, but I think it's good timing for this one. If you want to get involved with that listener call-in, email the show ufouapam at gmail.com. It is a recorded call. We schedule in a time. I'll do the call with you. We'll have a chat then I put it together to sound like one continuous show. So you don't have to um, queue up, you don't have to sit and wait on a live, nothing like that. It's just a fun laid back chat between me and you discussing whatever you want to discuss. So please get in touch and I'll be reaching back out to those who have been in touch about the listener call in very, very, very shortly. And just one more thing before we get into the questions, a little reminder to please, please vote for the podcast in this year's British Podcast Awards, Listener's Choice. Last year, I managed to get top 20, which is unbelievable. And thank you to every single one of you who voted. That is so hard to get because you're in with podcasts who get millions of downloads per episode that are literally run by massive corporations like the BBC and huge celebrities as well. Um... It literally does mean every single person voting to try and get back into that top 20, which helps massively with the algorithm and people seeing the pod and visibility and all that kind of good stuff. Um, So thank you very much. If you want to take two seconds to go and do that now, please feel free to pause the podcast or just do it while you're listening. Um, If you go to britishpodcastawards.com forward slash voting, the link is also in the description for the podcast as well. Just type that UFO podcast, fill in your name, And then you just have to click uh, confirm on an email link. That's it. It would be hugely, hugely, hugely appreciated. So thank you very much for taking the time in advance to go and do that. On to the questions though, folks. So please send in any more you have because I'm going to drop this part one. If you hear this and think, oh, I want to get my question in, email it over. That would be much appreciated. Or stick it on the Patreon because that's where the rest of the questions are coming from. So... First up was from Bandstick on YouTube. Uh, I'd be interested to hear why you think Stephen Greer's National Press Club event got essentially zero coverage in the news, while Grish completely overshadowed it. Those testimonies were powerful and very emotional. They deserve to be talked about. Really good question to kick off. Thank you for that. Ben Peterson on YouTube made the comment to that question, and I, I feel it's a fair point. Uh, he said, because sadly those testimonies will never persuade Congress to take action, Grish brought it to the front lines and made it urgent for Congress to investigate. So I'm doing these questions just off the top of my head, folks. I've I've literally got very, very, very few notes for any of the questions, um, just kind of to jog my memory. So pardon me if it almost sounds rambling at times. Hopefully it doesn't. So I think a few issues with Stephen Greer's press club event is that one, Stephen Greer himself is a very polarising, divisive figure in the mainstream media he's not a well-known name. I, I don't believe he has huge credentials or a fantastic reputation. He's just not well-known. He's, if anyone does know him, he's a guy who who makes UFO documentaries because they see them on Netflix. That'll be how the general populace who do know him, um, and that'll be a small number of people, see Stephen Greer. So I think a lot of these things, it, it really comes down to the presentation of it. Now, if if I hosted, and I'll be selfish here for a moment, if I hosted Lou Elizondo's big interview for his his latest book when it comes out and see I get the first interview, is that the best thing to promote that revelatory book? Let's just say, probably not. The best place for that is going to be Joe Rogan that that's just a fair point he's got the biggest podcast in the world that's where you want that not just from a a selling books point of view but for getting the word out and for any of those kind of big revelations to really land and hit home joe rogan's going to get millions and millions of downloads on that i'll be lucky to get a few tens of thousands which for me is huge that's incredible for any kind of grassroots podcast which this is but you know you you want to get that message out on the bigger scale and then i tend to find you get the better interviews when they drop down to smaller podcasts because it's just a different style and a different audience and a more niche audience as well like all of you listening to this who have a, a real vested interest in the ufo subject so i think this was the equivalent of Stephen greer getting some what was actually really interesting testimony and we're still going to talk about that down the line um, soon at some point um, on the podcast but it's just the presentation of it. I don't think lends itself to a mainstream cycle. Whereas Ross Coulthart has a reputation within the media and the news media. He has contacts at News Nation and other outlets, and he has he has a platform to put out a message, and it was presented in the right way, and with that kind of PR machine behind it, that makes all the difference. So yeah, if I think it's similar to like me and Joe Rogan having the same guest, Joe Rogan's going to be the place to do it. And I think Stephen Greer's event, Well, it was maybe surprising to a few folks that it was better than expected, I just think that's why. Um, so yeah, I, I might be wrong. I'd love to know people's thoughts and on my thoughts on all of this because it is just opinion. But yeah, so those testimonies, I feel should really be followed up with though. And that includes the folks at Arrow. But then again, we've, we've heard on the, the Arrow and the following up of those testimonies that have been recorded and such. And it's not inspiring, is it, what they've done so far. So for me, yeah, is that testimony really going to land, even with the folks Dr Sean Kirkpatrick is employing over there? Hopefully um, it passes that and gets to Congress and we can hear some of these folks uh, and, you know, public congressional hearings. That, for me, makes all the difference. So, yeah, good question. Thanks for that. Question from uh, Mimki uh, I sure would like to know what got you into this field maybe you've covered it but I'm really curious if it was experience driven also uh, how are you guys doing that'll be to myself and Dan no doubt uh, like in general nothing but love from Detroit thanks very much and Eric Green asked the same question when did you first get into the subject what caused it I'll make this one quick because I've, I've discussed this a few times but for any new listeners um, essentially as a kid always incredibly interested in the UFO topic uh, and that includes you know the kind of Loch Ness Monster was a big passion of mine being Scottish being from Scotland I used to go to the library as a young kid I would go around uh, on my bike or walk down use the internet back in the day when it was just accessible via the library and not in my home um, and get all kind of books and just sit and read them or, or take them out sometimes finishing the book on the day and taking it back anything with pictures was always good and I mean I was like seven or eight years old even younger potentially um, I was a bit of a geek in that sense and had at first kind of big sighting as I a kid and i've said before myself my mum my sister and to a friend and his mum we saw what is the podcast logo well that's a bit exaggerated in size we saw a, a massive spinning shape on its side lots of lights flashing around pretty low down about half a mile down the road and uh, and yeah that that was pretty incredible and it, it's always stuck with me i can still see it really clearly in my head as to what it looked like um and from there you, you once you've seen that it doesn't matter what comes out in the news or when you see people online debunking left, right and centre or if a video gets released like the recent weaponised one with from Kerbel and Nap that turned out to almost definitely be flares, you know, pretty quickly. That doesn't dishearten me because I know what I've seen. I know what I saw as the James Fox documentary says and for me that's the affirmation there's something else out there worth investigating worth talking about is what I do I don't investigate I talk about the UFO subject and for some ungodly reason you're listening to me and talk about it and seem to enjoy that and and the guests and when I get Dan on and and any of the other guests that do, do join us um so yeah it's it's been enough for me to kind of drive my passion for the UFO subject knowing I've seen something that's completely unexplainable and there's no earthly reason as to what I saw being a jet or you know anything like that or drones it was the mid-90s it was in a built area late at night and it looked like a ferris wheel on its side spinning incredibly fast you know it's a very hard thing to misidentify to be honest and since then a few of you have gotten in touch to say you've had pretty similar sightings which is really interesting so I always like to hear from listeners but that's that's what kept me interested in the UFO subject. It eventually has led to me three years ago, just over three years ago, starting this podcast. So, yeah, thank you. And sorry to those who had to hear that again, because I've, I've talked about it a few times, but there's always new listeners, and I think it's worth going over. Um, very quick one, because I don't really have an answer for this question. Uh, Chicken Nug Nugs, awesome name, by the way. What do you think about people suddenly believing posts from the creative writing board that is slash x slash? Um, The first one got popular a couple of months back, and since then we have seen many more. A lot of people fail to understand that these are fiction stories. I have no idea what that is, Chicken Nug Nugs. I've replied to your YouTube comment if you want to get back to me. But anyone else want to follow up? I'm not too sure what that is, and I can talk about it in part two. But yeah, seems seems something worth kind of touching on, definitely. But into the questions I certainly can answer from Buffalo Motivated. I'd love a deep dive into crop circles with disclosure proving UFOs are real. Crop circles take on new meaning. Many of them are messages and form shapes when 3D generated. Not too long ago, I had Karen Alexander and Gary King, who are British crop circle researchers. Go back and check that one out. That one, um, not to disparage Gary and Karen at all, but surprised me with how popular it was, how quickly it was. Um... You know, there's always a core audience for for shows and then depending on how popular the guest is, it goes up and down, obviously. That's, that's the same for anything. But wow, people really seem to enjoy that one and I'll definitely get them back on. But if anyone can recommend any crop circle researchers to come on the podcast, please reach out and let me know. My opinion on crop circles are... There's definitely something to it. I think the idea that some of these incredibly sophisticated ones can't be made by by kind of human hands is wrong, because we've seen that happen often enough. I think some of the issues come that there are some of them that are so intricate and have so many other interesting properties, including you know kind of radiation in the area or the the joints and stocks of the the wheat being bent at such an incredibly exact angle and you know the kernels popping out that's that stuff fascinates me um always enjoy watching signs you know the movie and the idea that is this a way of you know mobilization Is it a way of mapping the earth to kind of find our way about kind of just geography or is it something else altogether um definitely something to that it's it's a very interesting phenomenon but i don't know if i had to if i had to say right now what crop circles might be either some kind of way of reaching out to communicate. Maybe one species that, that is visiting here, that's how they're trying to communicate. You know, why not? Maybe we would do the same thing. um. But separately, maybe it is just a a way to kind of stamp an area and that it's, you know, we've been here and maybe it's for them to look and see. It's very hard to try and understand what another species might even be thinking, you know, in terms of doing this kind of stuff. But it could be almost their type of graffiti, You know, I was driving down the road and you see all kind of graffiti left and flyovers for, you know, ungodly, unknown reasons, you know, why folk would do that. But hey-ho, they do. Um, Maybe it's a little bit of that. Who knows? But yeah, interesting crop circles. Let me know if there's anyone you want me to reach out to and speak to. Next up, Joseph Aurelius said, Here's a niche one aren't they all seeing that David Grush and Lou Elizondo have confirmed that efforts have been made to down UAP. So shoot them down potentially using EMP electromagnetic pulse. I wonder how the phenomenon responds to such acts of aggression from us in these cases. Yeah, really interesting one because this has come up a few times and it came up in the unidentified series as well. We, we saw the clips where the, the Italians were talking about, you know, trying to shoot these, these objects down. Um, that was it was pretty interesting. I suppose there's a few ways to look at it is that are we are we trying to shoot down something that's manned even as there are other other entities or bodies within these craft? And then if there are bodies or entities, are they even sentient? Are these kind of these third generation AI clones people tend to say these grays maybe be. they're just really advanced robots basically and totally dispensable. maybe these craft as advanced as they are. Are completely dispensable for them, you know. Like us sending up, you know, sending out drones for that are basically one-use drones would have been unthinkable 10, 20 years ago. But now that technology is so commonplace, maybe for them some of these craft are dispensable. Whether they crash or they're gifted or they're they're potentially brought down by us accidentally or deliberately, then maybe for them it's just not worth retrieving, or they're happy to leave it. Like for us we would be happy just to leave uh, incredibly sophisticated drones on Mars, you know, uh, our rovers that we have. Once they break down and they fulfil their use, or they break down because of some kind of atmospheric conditions, we just leave them there. A little bit of littering, but yeah, that is still very advanced technology for us as a species you know, if you came across that, you'd be like, wow, very few people listening to this podcast could make a Mars rover, you know, but yet we leave it up there on the planet and we don't bring it back. We, we It has its purpose and that's it. And maybe some of these downcraft are the same. So potentially the phenomenon, as it's worded here, doesn't respond to it as an act of aggression because they see it as, you know, dispensable. Could be much like some of these, uh, naval exercises where we hear about drones going out or, or UAP potentially surrounding naval ships and they wait to see the reactions of the ship they wait to see the defensive countermeasures that are deployed they wait to see how they react and what these ships tend to do is go dark and they data collect in the same way these drones from foreign adversaries are data collecting and maybe it's a little bit of that as well maybe some of these they want to see can you shoot them down can you stop us that sort of gets a little bit worrying because then that's tending, testing out defences for well, you know that horrible potential scenario of independence day like attack down the line but but who knows. That's that's a fun one to speculate on. And if anyone was doing the listener call in coming up or getting in touch, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too. So thank you. Good question. Uh next up from user GI. It seems to me like part of the reason for so much secrecy is the connection between consciousness and the phenomenon could it be possible that the more people believe accept, expect there to be uap the more there will be uap or at least it would increase or accelerate their ability to materialize here any thoughts on this good question yeah a little bit like in the santa claus movies when people believe santa's sled gets powered more and more and as people don't believe or dismiss santa claus it kind of runs out of power so I i think yeah that's probably the right analogy to use with that one potentially I think it's it's an interesting one because when you hear about people promoting CE5 events and that you can summon a craft, what if everyone just did do that at once? Would we all imagine worldwide there was an initiative, like Band-Aid, you know, Bob Geldof went, you know what, next up, instead of charity, we're going to do one big CE5 event and somehow convinces 1 billion people to all do CE5 at the same time. Are we all going to see craft materialise around the entire planet? Is there is there even enough craft that could do that? Is that how it works? Would we all have kind of one unconscious, you know, subconscious sighting or experience? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Because it begs a lot of questions that it's very hard to kind of con- contemplate even you know a num other a number of uap is that even how it works do you see the same craft multiple times you know and there's another question similar to that down the line as well which I'll, I'll get to that that kind of idea um i don't know i think the idea between behind c5 is interesting but you know i've i've gone out before and had a glance up at the sky and i have a poor attention span um, as you can tell from me rambling uh, uh, with guests, I, um, and I've looked up and, you know, I'd like to see something, you know, quick thought, and something's gone by, or a light appears, but is it probably a satellite? Yeah, I live in quite a dark area, so I've got clear skies, and, um, but you never know, coincidence, maybe not, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know about, I, I don't know about that, because like I've said before, why wouldn't? Stephen Greer who I talked to as director Michael Mazzola about this if you go way back to one of my earlier interviews Michael Mazzola is his director for his his documentaries on Netflix and I said why doesn't Stephen Greer get a news crew go to the White House and summon UFOs over the White House why not do that because surely there you go there's your proof live camera big population just do it in a busy area and there's there's the proof but they don't, so I don't know. It's It would be an easy one, it sounds like, to to do that. But then maybe that's not what the phenomenon itself would would want or would kind of materialise because of the circumstances. I don't know. But it's, it sounds pretty obvious to me, that one. But thank you, good question. Next one from Ben O'Sullivan. Hi, Andy. Off topic, but I didn't know where to ask this. And it's not. The question's actually quite relevant. Have you seen the videos captured by a filmmaker called Justin Chernapesky? The documentary I just came across is called The Beings from Beyond. I'd really like to know your thoughts on this. Many thanks. Uh, folks, the documentary link is in the description. I found it on YouTube. It's 49 minutes long. I haven't watched it, Ben. I literally saw this as I was copying and pasting the questions into the into the folder. Um so I had a quick click through because I can see the points in the documentary that Justin has inserted the clips and at a glance, and I will go back and watch it properly, so I'd be interested on in your thoughts and I might even reach out to Justin if he'd want to come on the podcast, um, there certainly are some clips similar to like I just said before where they're filming the sky and there are really interesting movements made by points of light, obviously not satellites because of the way it's moving but I don't know, given how simple that looks, that it could be, you know, could be a drone. It could be CGI, but it looks pretty compelling given the movements. But there's a lack of substantial data surrounding that as well. Um, but an interesting few clips nonetheless. But then I saw a clip towards the end of the documentary that almost definitely is a spotlight shining on the clouds. Um some kind of light show, uh, definitely. But there are definitely some interesting clips within it and I'd love to see the context surrounding that as well. So um, I'll reach out to Justin, uh, Justin Chernopeski. The documentary is called The Beings from Beyond and I'm sure if you're looking for something to watch and you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube Uh, uh, and I've put the clip, or the link, sorry, in the description as well. Just glancing the comments on the documentary, a lot of positive ones too, people seem pretty keen, and I see that Justin Chernepesky has also done documentaries on Bigfoot, Sasquatch, etc. as well, so if that is your bag, then definitely check that stuff out. But thanks for pointing us that direction, Ben, I'll I'll certainly watch it. Question, uh, a few questions from Edmund Chip, So first up, what five books on the phenomenon would you recommend to a UAP newbie to bring them up to speed? So I thought about this one and some of them I've mentioned before. Um, A couple of them may be controversial and not to everyone's liking necessarily, but I think when you read any book, or, any, or you take in any information on the UFO subject. I don't think you should ever just take it as gospel. That includes listening to just myself or Dan talking about the subject. That's just our opinion or any guest that comes on. I think you should always do your own thinking and form your own opinion. And that's the same with any of these books as well, even if it just gives you part of the story for you to then decide whether you agree with it or not. Um, so that, and with that in mind, the five books would be one. Ross Coulthart's In Plain Sight is, I think, the definitive modern day book on, on the UFO, UAP topic. Um, the audiobook's fantastic. I would recommend that because Ross Coulthart himself does the impressions on it as he reads along. So that that just adds a whole new level to the book. Hunt for the Skinwalker by James Lakatsky, Colm Kelleher and George Knapp. Definitely one I'd recommend as well. I know this one was controversial a little bit as it's been out because it discusses some some crazy ideas like dino beavers and whatnot that have been seen on the ranch. Yes, folks, I said dino beavers. But this phenomenon is wild and crazy and strange and weird as you verge off of the UFO side of things. And I think it's an important book to read just because there are there's respect levels there for the people who wrote it and some incredible credentials as well. Definitely one to read and make up your own mind. Another controversial one, but I think important because it's such a well-known story within the UFO topic, is the Bob Lazar book, Dreamland, a biography of Bob Lazar and his story, because it's so well-known, there have been many documentaries made about it, and I think it's one that people should read to then decide on their own whether they think it's true, not true, or something in between. I still really have a soft spot for the Bob Lazar story, not to say I believe the full story or everything that Bob Lazar's ever discussed and I've gone into that before in various shows but yeah so definitely worth a read of Dreamland for me and it's not a difficult read either. Next up one that for the love of God has taken me almost a year to get through the Audible book, but I tend to read it on long drives when I've um kinda of on my own. Um Secret Machines Chasing Shadows. So the first book from um Tom DeLong's series Secret Machines. Uh, definitely recommend really enjoying it. It's jumping between various different aspects of the UFO topic through history, including kind of Nazi involvement, you know, UFOs being hidden in South America, uh jumps to modern day with humans back engineering, you know, triangular technology uh, and some conspiracy stuff in the background as well. Really hope it gets made into a TV series. We'd love to see... Not, not a movie on it I'd love to see this as a an HBO Max 10 part series something like that really hard hitting really dark gritty could could really really um, bring the topic to life in a new way for a, a different generation so very much recommend that I've been reading I'd say reading, listening to the audiobook and I'm almost finished it now couple of hours left and also American Cosmic from Diana Pasulka is a bit of a staple for those in the UFO community very well written Diana's background as a religious scholar is fantastic and she's so open to the ufo subject too and if you go back and listen to my interview with her we do discuss the book and she does have her new book coming out in the coming months as well so those are my five anyone else has any recommendations um yeah stick them in any of the chats any of the boards or if you're in the discord server there's a whole section on ufo books as well so thank you for that question that's my my five recommendations I'd like to thank Liquid IV for sponsoring this episode. Folks, you've heard me bang on about my own health and fitness journey the last year or so and how it's true that by looking after yourself, you just feel better. Staying hydrated is key to having the energy to get through your daily routine feeling good. That's where Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being and their hydration multiplier is the one product you may be missing in that daily routine. Eating and drinking healthy can sometimes be boring, but the range of flavours offered by Liquid IV takes care of that with lemon and lime, pina colada, and tropical punch among some of the best, though I'm particularly fond of the strawberry lemonade. Just one stick of liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone, containing five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C, with three times the electrolytes of premium sports drinks and is non-GMO and gluten-free, Dairy and Soya Free to get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code thatUFO at checkout. That's twenty percent off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code thatUFO at liquidiv.com. Um Edmund Chip again asks Assuming that communication with the non-human intelligence is possible and that it answers truthfully, what three questions would you want answers to and why? This I wrote down, uh, one of the few questions I've got notes on, I wrote down the first three questions that came to mind that weren't just the usual, you know, where are you from? All that kind of stuff. So questions that I would beg, big answers, not just yes or no. Uh, first question, what similarities do our species have with each other? I think you could get a lot from that. Um, what are the major differences between our species? Again, that would hopefully bring out Things we've never even thought about comprehended the ways they behave and act. And the third question that I'm I'm really intrigued about, and this is a whole rabbit hole for down the down the line. What can you tell us about other species out there that you know of? So we could meet one species that land on the White House lawn, you know, for that old analogy. But what do they know about? And like I've mentioned before, imagine one day saucer a saucer lands in the the, the White House lawn. I know that's the the, the old the old analogy. And the beings come out of it and we we talk to them, the president introduces themselves, whoever it may be at the time, and generals and ambassadors and scientists and, you know, celebrities, you know, Salt Bay no doubt will be in there doing his thing as he done in the World Cup. I digress. But imagine that scenario. And then in conversation, we say to them, you know, it's incredible your technology, you know, you've you've been visiting for a long time. Great to see you're here. Um, So much to learn, hopefully, from each other. Um, And they ask, you know, these other objects, these tic-tacs that are visiting, and the species says, oh, we don't know about those. Can you imagine, like, what kind of questions that would open up? We just assume that these other species, as advanced as they are, all know about each other, potentially interact with each other. Maybe they've got different agendas. Maybe they don't know about each other. Maybe they they can't even know about each other. They exist on different planes of existence, different dimensions. Who knows? Um, really interesting question, that one. And that would be great for a call-in too to hear what people think about the idea that do these other species all know about each other? Or are they in the dark with some aspects of the overall phenomenon as much as we are? Maybe to us, or maybe to them, in a way, we are part of this phenomenon in a way that we are unsure about other species are visiting and who knows. It's it's a wild one to think about. But yeah, good question, Edmund Chip. Um, Ben Stone asks... Am I assuming the data and information collected in each government programme studying UFOs isn't passed on to the next programme and each programme is starting from scratch again? If so, what a colossal waste in time of money due to prog bureaucracy, working just as intended. And that's from Ben in Adelaide, Australia. G'day, Ben. I uh, just had family visiting the UK from Australia for a couple of days. Uh, I was away seeing my dad and stepmom, so nice to see them. And they live over in Sydney and about to be Brisbane. So, good question, and I think the simple answer to this one, from what we hear, from especially folks like uh, Corbel Knapp, Ross Coulter, from Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, I think there is a massive disjointed effort that these programmes are all... Disconnected, and they all have their own agendas within the U.S. government. Whether that's, um, you know, whether that's I was going to say Arrow, but not Arrow, but the Air Force or the Navy or private contractors or something in between, or you know, MJ12 type programs, they're all disconnected. I doubt they work together, and the best you could hope for is kind of shadowy conversations in the background and the odd bit of information or knowledge sharing. But it'd be so secretive and so stovepiped and so hidden away that I I don't think they do know about each other. So I think when new programmes do start and there's information to be collected, it's almost starting from square one. And this is something I discussed with Richard Dolan, the idea that do we potentially just have to accept that, and I'll use the quotations of the government, know about the UFO phenomenon, where it's from, and a lot more than they let on but it's actually a small section within the government that know that information, and they're just not going to come forward. So what we have to do is essentially learn along with the overall government and the new bodies as they discover this for themselves as well in an unclassified way. And and Richard Dolan said potentially, as disappointing as that might be to many folks, that, that might just be something we have to go along with. And if and when we do get that capital D disclosure, are we going to then go back to Roswell and, and all those crashes and craft from 30, 40, 50, 60, 90 years ago? Probably not. There's not going to be, in my opinion, a huge public outcry from the general public to to go back and reprimand those who have been involved, involved in the cover-up because the paradigm shift for the entire planet, that there's a non-human intelligence that does exist and is here or visits here, they won't be concerned with, oh, what about those army generals 30 or 40 years ago that kept all this secret? It won't even come into the populace's thinking. That just doesn't happen. You know, it, there's so many examples of that kind of stuff in modern day that people just move on. That That's just a fact of us as, as a species in a modern Western society. So just, again, my opinion, but I think when that day comes, all that stuff from the past, people can bang on about it on UFO Twitter, but I just don't feel that there's going to be a huge outcry for for the sins of the past so to speak and a lot of those will get their kind of get to wash their hands and move on or or sink away But yeah, good question. Um, Edmund Chip had another question. Uh, Once the phenomenon is identified and defined to the world, the term UAP will be meaningless. What would be your preferred uh, nomenclature to use when talking about it? And I had to Google that word. Um, So basically, instead of UAP, when we've actually identified these things, what would it be? I would imagine... Again, speaking about that general populace, um, they'll revert to, you know, the aliens, I I would think. Um, Maybe we go a little more sci-fi and people use terms like the others. Or potentially, having, you know, thought about it, something derogatory might transpire. Like District 9, they called the alien species, you know, the prawns or just prawns because of their appearance characteristics of another species would almost definitely define i think a lot of that conversation and terminology especially in a a modern society you know of of twitter handles and 140 character or 280 character kind of summations of opinion um so for me i imagine the aliens the others or it would be a characteristic defining defining term you know um but yeah i'd be interested to know your thoughts on that one definitely Question from Michael Ritchie. What is my favourite and most compelling case? I would always say, and nothing's changed my mind on this one yet, would be the Phoenix Lights for a few reasons. One, it was a mass sighting. Um, Many, many, many folks saw some incredible things that evening. Um not just the, the video online that people see of the flares that were dropped afterwards, but, you know, people reporting the craft overhead and seeing the craft hovering and how many folks saw it, not including Governor Five Simington, um, and that's been well covered. I I think what intrigues me about it is how how re, re, uh, recent it really was, that it was less than 30 years ago now, and it was, it was just before the advent of us kind of carrying about commercial video cameras there are there's one or two bits of video camera footage i know but a few years after this we would have had camera phones then again what would camera phones really have caught but if there was something silent going right overhead maybe we would have got thousands of videos of something that would have been interesting So yeah, that that one for me was just tantalisingly out of reach and I'd love another true mass sighting of that that ilk to happen these days. But I've used before, folks, and I love bringing this one up. Just a couple of years ago, there was a kind of, very short-lived mass sighting that happened uh, in the evening, uh, just out, I think it was New Jersey in the United States. Loads of people stopped on a freeway filming what looked like a UFO hovering in the distance and it turned out to be like the Goodyear blimp over the, the New Jersey football team stadium. And just because of the angle and distance it was at, all those folks with their kind of iPhone 13s and Samsung S21s they would have been at the time in Huawei's filmed what they thought was a UFO. And you can see loads of clips of it and the conversation happening, but it was the Goodyear blimp. But they had a steady shot, loads of people saw it, and they still misidentified it, even in broad daylight. So yeah, that was a a pretty interesting one and just goes to show the whole argument of getting clear videos of UFOs an absolute nightmare. I can't get clear pictures or videos of my kids half the time, let alone a UFO up in the sky. So interesting one, but yeah, that's Phoenix Lights for me. Still the most uh, compelling and, and my favourite case. And I think just to go back to it, I think there could be pretty good relevant data collected from geospatial organisations, satellites, and whatnot that were around that area at the time. Um, and maybe that information's there in the background somewhere. Who knows? Who knows? question as we march on towards i think oh the last kind of 10 questions folks thanks for sticking with us um Ah, but, but, but Yeah, so from uh, Paradise Decay. Thoughts on simulation theory and that all these events are being planned. Thank you for that. If anyone newer to the podcast hasn't listened to my interview with Rizwan Virk, I've done that a year or so ago now, a year and a half ago, and Rizwan Verk has a few different books on simulation theory. Well worth checking out. Very intelligent guy. Speaks very well on the subject too. Definitely check those out. Um, for me, eat. It's that idea of, you know, what is reality? And even the idea that... Is it that we have... Even if reality is as we presume it is, are we just here as some kind of experiment and it's that zoo theory idea? Is something watching us? Is this even real? What does real mean? Um, I don't think the events are being planned, per se. That's that's an interesting one. Um, I do think there are other species... Not just one, but multiple species watching us as a species and have been for a long, long, long time with different agendas or ideas of how we could be either useful or, you know, gotten rid of. Because let's be honest, as a species, if we were getting a report card right now, I don't think we'd be doing on the whole particularly well, would we? Um, But it's that idea of, I think I've said before, about playing like a game of The Sims, as if there are a few different species all kind of playing the same game. A couple of them have lost interest. Some of them are more interested than others. Some just want to cause a little bit of chaos. And others are trying to help out and play the game properly. Um so yeah, who knows? A little bit like the the worst Marvel movie, The Eternals, at least had the idea of, you know, these these gods from the past playing their part now and again within the human evolution through the through the centuries and millennia. And I wonder is that sort of you know along the right lines and i think that's tom DeLong's touched on that sort of stuff before so yeah really interesting thank you for that question um jake r541 asks what affirmation do you think mick west says in the mirror when he wakes up in the morning i'll just repeat what i've said before i don't follow mick west anymore because i think a lot of what he does is just troll people because he's very set in his ways with his opinion on the ufo topic Um, he does some good work in, in some ways but I don't think there's there's much background or credentials there to respect in any way outside of you know appreciating Tony Hawk's pro skater because I enjoyed that on the PlayStation as a kid. He's just got his opinion. He's not a fan of the UFO topic, really, is he? Um, and he, he writes some books about it as well. So, you know, that's he's on that side of the fence. We're on this side of the fence. I don't really pay him much attention. Uh, so but yeah i know i know some folks do um chris coop asks what is something you feel strongly about but can't reveal the source due to uh, well i can't reveal it um oh let me read that again what is something you feel strongly about but can't reveal with um the source due to protecting the source okay so essentially i think you get the gist of the question thank you chris um i think i've been lucky to have a few conversations kind of before and after recording with different people um I would say one of the, the interesting ones was similar to, I think I touched on this earlier, that different people can view the same event, but have different experiences. And this has come up many times, hasn't it? Through UFO stories, whether it's been just sightings, abductions, or, or everything in between. And even I wonder that, did the sighting I have in the mid '90s, given our proximity to it, there were many more people that would have been closer. It was literally next to folks' houses and gardens, and cars would have been going past. Did anyone else even see it? Was it something that we saw at the time because of where we there, where we were? Did the people that I saw it with see the same thing as me? It's a kind of hard conversation to have. At it's a funny one because we didn't hang about for that long. So you wonder, is there some kind of effect it has when you have one of these really intense, closer-up sightings? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting one. That, that for me, though, I've had with, with a guest in the past. Um, I, w- I won't name them. It doesn't really matter. But, yeah, the idea that there's something to the people having the the experience where they are when they have the experience and all that kind of stuff in between so yeah i'll I'll say that one sorry to be vague but i think the question invited a vague answer as much as i would give on that um but yeah thanks for that and i do feel very privileged to have the conversations i have with with guests before during and after podcasts i'm very lucky and that's down to all of you even bothering to listen so thanks for that um Glenn Wilson, do you believe these objects have been around as long as we have and have connections to our history on the planet? Yeah, I think I've just answered that one before, Glenn. But yeah, good question. I think they've been around longer. I think they were here before us. And I think if we have at least one of these species experiences time in a different way or at least can manipulate what we know as time, that they, for example, I've I've talked before about abductions, generational abductions. People would wonder, why would some species bother with someone's children their children's children you know someone's dad grandparents great 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 grandparents that seems a lot of time to invest in one family lineage what if for them though that's 10 minutes what if they can dip in and out of a timeline and visit those different aspects of a family and get genetic information you know Different, you know, body chemistry, different aspects of the human species as it's gone along. But for them, it doesn't take much time at all, or times are relevant to them. So that's that for me. Kind of answers a little bit of that one. Um, and I think they've been around a lot longer than we have. Yeah, that would only make sense. I think just given the level of technology they they seem to have um galactic world asks now that we're past the stage of if ufos are real can we discuss the theories as to what these are uh, can can i speculate as to what i think is going on in our skies so uh the first part would be demons and angels from another dimension two aliens from another planet three aliens that live here but we can't always see them and four humans from the future I don't know too much about Humans from the Future. Michael Masters is joining me soon as that's a popular theory that he writes about and talks about which is really interesting. Um, At least a variation of that. I think there's a variation of all of those I think Demons and Angels were just labels put on labels put on a topic that we didn't fully understand back in back in the day you know there was a time we didn't have a word for saucer so they descri- just you know the romans described burning shields in the sky or flying shields there was no word for blue at one point and the sea was described as being silver so i think when there were entities that you know came into contact with millennia ago demons and angels is what we knew and that's what they were labeled as so i think that's maybe where a lot of that kind of stuff comes from So yeah, I think a little bit of all of that goes on and that explains a place, for example, like Skinwalker Ranch. And not to go on about it, I know there's been some controversy with Skinwalker Ranch, the show recently. I think much of that is down to the longevity now of the programme and the the dramatisation of it that largely comes from the History Channel and the network making a TV show because they're not just filming a science experiment, which is what Skinwalker Ranch really is at heart. They're filming a TV show and they need it to be dramatic. That's like any TV show would be. So, yeah, I think there's an element of everything going on, including places like Skinwalker Ranch. Check out books like Hunt for the Skinwalker and the documentaries on that as well. Um, last couple of questions, folks, as we get there towards the end. My God, I've talked for a long time now. Hopefully you've stuck with me. Um, I wonder how many of you listened to this on like 0.5 or 0.75 speed just to understand me. I should have done it in my American accent. Um, so, the uh, next question is from Edman Chip again. You've got in there a few times. I'll read this in my American accent for the American listeners. When the world catches up and realises that we are not alone, what and how much will you tell your children about the phenomenon? Good question, Chip. Um, I think that depends on how any kind of phenomenon or non human intelligence represents itself or how it's discovered, what its intentions may or may not be. Again, I hope it's not the independence day slash signs type scenario. Um as much as I'd probably head to the Metro Centre in the UK and kinda of hold up there. You know, Google it if you don't know the Metro Centre folks. Not too far from where I live. Um it's also my zombie apocalypse place by the way as well, but I'm rambling now. Um I would hope to tell my kids, it's just like any other culture on the planet that they're not familiar with. And we have to learn from them. They have to learn from us. There'll be kind of a period of uncertainty and people might be a little bit scared, but that's okay. Um, And I'd like to think they would, they would cope with it well. Um, I think I would then show them some of the kind of history of the topic and subject. I think given that their dad does a UFO podcast, they hear quite a bit about the UFO topic. And my little boy, who's seven bless him he um he often tells me how he subscribes to my podcast and gets kids in the school to subscribe to it as well so and he took a podcast sticker in one time to show them so i can only imagine the eye rolls that happened in the class that day but i think my kids are pretty well versed on the kind of idea of ufos and aliens and i'm sure people listening to this their kids are the same but that'd be one i'm interested in hearing from from you listeners and viewers that what would you tell your kids about the phenomenon if you know that classic disclosure happened what would that initial conversation sound like? That that would be interesting for me. And I bet kids deal with that a hell of a lot better than the adults do, you know. So, yeah, good question. Buffalo Bill Craplism. Is Dan a clone of Christopher Mellon? Dan wishes. Uh, no, but do you know what? I, what I would say, um, I've never even said this to Dan, to be honest, but people like Dan and and Vinnie Adams and, and Graham Rendell, they are... The, the the new age of kind of researchers and writers on this topic uh, topic, uh, Graham obviously from the writing point of view, and Dan and Vinny Dan and Dan and, Vizzi, Dan and, Vizzi, Dan and with the work they've done out in Colombia with phenomenology for a long time I think there was the same names and faces making the same documentaries and same talking heads and and part of the reason UAP Media UK started was to try and just get comments in newspapers in the UK for example um, from a different source other than Nick Pope because it was always the same person saying the same thing and I think the topic's moved on so much that it needed new names and faces. And in the last five or six years, I think that's where Ross Coulthard, for example, has been incredibly welcome in, in the UFO topic. Loathe him or love him, you know, he's, he's making a big impact on it. And for so long, it was just George Knapp holding down the fort as such and we need more of that um avi loeb getting involved in such a serious way in the ufo topic and i see people like dan and Vinny and what they have done with phenomenology with ash cowie and others who were involved in the series as being that kind of new age or new wave of folks who can contribute to the topic with actual research you know they've went out and put boots on the ground and tried to study and investigate something and while it's a much smaller scale than what Anavi Loeb's doing with the Galileo project, I think there's always room for both ends of the scale and to scale up still as well. So, yeah, I think I think folks like Dan are, are part of that kind of new age and new wave of, of researchers and and commenters or commentators that that make a big difference to the UFO topic. So yeah, don't tell him I said that, folks. Um, question from Zhao uh, Lorenko. Uh, I know these are impossible to answer as of today, but I'd like to hear your opinion on this topic. If extraterrestrial intelligent life turns up to be real and humanoid, and given the fact that evolution is scientifically well evidenced on Earth, what does that mean? Is science wrong? Do we share DNA or a common origin? Or, since physical and chemical rules are the same across the universe, is there a biological fact that makes primates the best life-form candidates for intelligent life? Um... So, I think for me to answer, because there's a second part to the question, I think it goes along with what I said, Jao, before, that these beings have been here long before us, and I imagine, you know, we have been kind of created in their image. Maybe this kind of form for the size we are and everything else is just ideal, you know, in terms of being a kind of well-rounded species. It certainly seems to work. Um, We don't always necessarily make the most of it as a species, as I am trying to still lose weight, would attest to, but... It seems pretty handy, doesn't it, in terms of how how we work and operate. So I I would imagine that a lot of things would either be rewritten or I think we would just have to move some of the jigsaw puzzle around a little bit and change the picture and realise that maybe some things were a little bit wrong or a little bit misunderstood, for example. Um, also, according to most theories, the universe, this is still from Zhao, according to most theories, the universe with its countless galaxies is programmed to evolve and live for many trillions of years, but yet conditions for intelligent life had to emerge before the first 14 billion years. That's something like in a 90 minutes football game having a team score a goal in the first second. From this perspective, I don't think it's most certain we are not alone. Yeah, we're not alone. We know that. Listening to this right now, we're not alone. That's that's a guarantee, folks. But a guy with a UFO podcast is going to say that. If I just turned around and said, nah, it's all nonsense, you know, that would be the end of the show. Um, Last three questions. Six-string harmonies. How good does it feel that the stigma artificially imposed around this topic is finally falling away to the truth? Tens of thousands of experiencers can no longer be ignored. Can we have a moment of silence for all the people who were harassed and bullied since the Robertson panel and Operation Grudge or Blue Book? can we remember all of the people who lost their livelihoods and some their very lives in pursuit of the truth of the topic? Scientists like John Mack and Bud Hopkins, it turns out, were far ahead of their time. I think it's fair to say that the the stigma is definitely reduced in a way, but I think there's still a ways to go. It's a little bit, I was trying to think of a good analogy for this before and trying to remember back to, you know, when Well, you won't know, but when my wife was pregnant, or when any you know woman's pregnant, the the idea that there's a baby growing in there, you know it's there, you know what's happening, and you can see the bump and you see the kicks, but until the baby comes out and you see the actual baby there, it's so hard to comprehend that that's what's in there, you know, and I feel that's a little bit where the conversation is at the minute where you're still waiting on the birth of this idea to be fully formed and within the public sphere. Right now, something's there and the kicks and punches are happening, but most people just walk on by and don't take notice or don't even see it. So I think the stigma is reducing. There's still a long, long ways to go, though. Um, and yeah, you've always got to respect and appreciate the work that came before as well. Always, always say that. So yeah, good point. Good question. Um, Yosa Rian or Yosserian, why would reverse engineering craft not made by human intelligences be unclassified? Seems like that alone would be highly classified information. Um, I don't think it's the idea that it's not classified. If what you're getting at here is the idea that people like David Grush and others can come out and talk about it, they're they're not providing to the public any sensitive any sensitive means that they're they've got that information by, or they're just coming out and saying it, it that. That even the language within that might not be totally correct or accurate but it points to the right sort of thing so of course that kind of technology is classified and the argument whether it should or shouldn't be is it's totally valid but for me i i understand how these folks can come out and talk about it because the the general public when i mention this or anyone i work with for example will say okay so where's the proof oh, well, he's not got pictures or videos. That's it. End of conversation for them. It's just someone's story. That's it. So until he reveals sources and methods, which he can't do, that then becomes an issue. But yeah, totally understand why that's classified. And listen, folks, a a big thank you to listening. One final question, and it's a one-word answer. I was asked, um, Me this time, which is very much a a Scottish phrase, asks, what one word would you say to Mick West post-disclosure? For me, simple, if I was going to address Mick West, which I, he doesn't care about me and I don't care about him, you know, we don't cross each other's paths. Um, I would just ask the question, thoughts, dot, 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 question mark. You know, that would be it. Because I'd like to know what people's that thoughts might be. And I think you just have to get past it at that point. I don't see there's much point there of, you know, the sticking the finger in the face and the ha-ha, told you so. But who knows? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's it. For me, folks, this was, um, wow, I can't believe I've spoken for this long. I hope you've stuck with me. Uh, If you're listening to this on the free platforms, you'll have heard some adverts and sponsors. It does help out the show if you can click or use any of those and purchase any of the products with the discount links. Makes a small difference to me, and uh, yeah helps keep the lights on all that kind of jazz so thank you very much and if you're listening to it on paid platforms you've not heard any adverts you uh, you pay and you get early access bonus content and these shows in full as well so thank you so so much for everyone who who does listen and who contributed to the questions that was just the youtube questions folks i still got all the patreon questions to go through and also any an email as well so send them over and i'll get that one recorded in the coming days but thank you very much for listening i hope you all have a wonderful weekend week whenever you might be listening to this. And if you're listening to this in the future post-disclosure, I wonder how many of these questions were correct. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, UAP, And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap design by Charles and quite steamed like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament. Of... The little fucker hovered right inside of my window, and when I shut out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see it. I'd like to thank Blendjet for sponsoring this episode. Private contractors are feeling the heat to release their secret UFO tech, but that's not a problem for the folks over at Blendjet as the Blendjet 2 portable blender is spotted regularly in full public view. Their incredibly popular blender has been a smash hit with listeners to this podcast so far. There are plenty of reasons to get on board with the Blendjet 2 portable blender, including the Blendjet 2 is portable so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym or or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. Lasts for 15 or more blends and recharges quickly via USB C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you are good to go. There are over 30 colours to choose from. The only disappointment for me is there isn't an option for spinning bright lights. So I go for the Urban Camel print as a personal favourite. What are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code that to ufo to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code that UFO to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever.